Gospel of John, chapter 11, beginning with verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the light. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Good news from Jesus. Really, you could say great news from Jesus. On the backdrop of this, we've already talked about that Lazarus had died. They sent somebody to go find Jesus to let him know what was going on with his best friend, one of his friends that he was really close to, someone that he loved. And by the time we get to where we are today in verse 17, Lazarus had already been dead. It's interesting that even in this text, it tells us he had been dead already four days. Four days had passed between the time they got the message to Jesus and by the time Jesus actually got there. And a lot of reasons, when I was looking at this, a lot of things that were brought out was one of the reasons why four days is a significant number is because there's no doubt to the question that Lazarus was dead. I mean, he could have did it prior to, he could have came the very next day, but four days into this, he is D-E-A-D, dead. Dead is dead. And that's what's going to make this miracle even much more prevalent, a part of who Jesus really is. So you have here the gathering, he lets us know that uh, when he got there, it lets us know that really Jesus was about two miles away from where Lazarus was. And when I was reading some of the commentaries, what was interesting was it was only maybe a six or eight hour journey by foot. They were basing on how many steps you could take and all that. So it wasn't like Jesus was so far away that he couldn't get there, but it was. This is now when he came, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. He was dead. He was in the tomb, already prepared his body and all that stuff. Four whole days and it lets us know an interesting note in verse 18 was the fact that Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. That's also important because what happens is we find out that a lot of people who were, knew of Mary and knew of Martha and knew of Lazarus, because of the proximity of where they were, they were all going to, to their house to help in the grieving process for Lazarus, which means a lot of people were there. Not only that, this is just on the way towards the Passover. So you've got a lot of people on their journey trying to make it to Jerusalem, and the fact that where Jesus was was only two days off, and many people are going to be a witness to 
what Jesus is going to do in the terms of raising Lazarus from the dead. And we always, on the backdrop of all of this, realize that in the Gospel of John, it's all about knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. He said it before. He said it in many other places. Some other people have said it. But the whole book centers on what is known as the whole point of this whole book is for us to know and for the people at that time to know that Jesus is actually the Son of God. And we might think we know it, but we really need to know it because no matter what happens in our life, He is the Son of God and there is absolutely nothing too hard for Him. Amen. If he could raise Lazarus, and he will raise Lazarus from the dead, guess what? No matter what problem you may have in your life this morning, if it's not greater than that, then you really and I, you and I really don't have a problem. God is. He's able to do far and abundantly, exceedingly abounding what we can't even imagine or think. So I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what circumstances you might find yourself in. I don't know how hard you think it is, but nothing is too hard for God to help you out of that circumstance. Amen? So there we have. All these people are there. It lets us know that many of the Jews have come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. And that's a good thing. That when we experience grief in our life or mourning in our life, the loss of a loved one, that those of us who know the person, we ought to come around them. We ought to support them. We ought to pray for them and do for them what we can and console them. Amen? And sometimes we think, you know, that's not an important part, but that is. And whether people really want to be bothered or not, I mean, that's not, it's not what you say or what you do. It's just the fact that you're there. It's like, you know what, if I can do anything for you, I, let me know. You don't have to try to impose yourself on it, but say, if you need anything, let me know, and I will get it. And we've got some people that are really good at that, that are supporters when people have come across that bridge. So there they are. But Martha hears about Jesus' coming. She hears that Jesus is on his way, and she went and met him. Now, if you know anything about her, about Martha, she was a busy person. In other parts of the gospel narrative in Luke, I think it's chapter 10 or chapter 6, I can't remember which one it is, but, but, but there is, there is uh, Martha just busily doing things. She was the kind of person that had a lot of high energy. So there they are, they're at the house, they're mourning, and she gets wind that Jesus is coming, and she just gets up and goes. Just on the opposite end of the scale is Mary. Mary's just the total opposite. She was the contemplative one. She was the one that when Martha was busily doing all this household chores and getting everything ready, Mary sat at the foot of Jesus. To which Martha said, wait a minute, hold on. You know how we get sometimes. We're busy doing a lot of stuff and we look over and everybody else is just kind of sitting standing around not doing anything. We're like, well, wait a minute, why am I? Excuse me, pastor. How come everybody else isn't helping out in this? You know, I need some help. And Jesus had to remind her that, wait a minute, she has chosen the better thing. By means of, what he was saying was, 
She sat at my feet, and she was listening to my... Not that what Martha was doing was so much wrong, but on the scale of life, it's better to be around Jesus and hear the words of Jesus and be fed the word than it is to be busily doing all that. A lot of us are busy doing... A lot of us like busyness instead of sometimes slowing our roll, taking our time, and being contemplative and listening to the voice of God. Sometimes all our activity blots out what God was trying to say to us. So here's... Here's Martha. She takes off. She goes out to meet Jesus. And in this, in this discourse of between Jesus and Martha, it lets us know that uh, while she was going, Martha stayed seated in the house. That was a Jewish custom, that when they were grieving or going through mourning, they typically sat. Whoever was in the pro- process of mourning, they would sit, and everybody would come around them and help them through that grieving process. So she was doing what was na- naturally a custom. She sat. Martha went. And I like what happens here in the oncoming verses because now there is a conversation between her, Martha, and Jesus. Martha, when she had heard, she speaks to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I don't think she's saying this to be smart or anything. I think out of her grief, number one, is why she says it. She says, it's just not the thing. Lord, you know what? I know who you are. If, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And that was true. What she said was very true, that if Jesus had been there, he would not have died. I share with the Sunday school class, and I'll share with those of you here now. Wherever Jesus is, there's always life. You cannot have Jesus and not have life. It's an impossibility. Why? Because he's going to tell us he is life. He says, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not, would not have died. Now, she also, not only did she say that, but she also understood some other thing. She had been taught the word, which makes my point of knowing what the word says. Old Testament scriptures did teach about resurrection. Because what she says was, she says, my brother would not have died, but I know that two things, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. But you, if you had not been here, you would have died. But I know who you are because you are a good, good father. Whatever you ask, he will give it. So, Lord, even though if you had been here, you wouldn't have died, but I know now that you're here, whatever you ask. She didn't ask for him to raise Lazarus. She says, whatever the Lord, whatever you would ask, not her will, but his will be done. Amen? Jesus helps her out. He had already told them beforehand what was going to happen, but they had not remembered. A lot of us receive a lot of instruction from the word, but we don't remember all the instructions we've got. So Jesus reminds her, by the way, Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. He's going to get up again. Remember back earlier, he had told the disciples, Lazarus what? Sleeps. He's not dead, but he sleeps. They said dead. He said sleeps. And for all of us who are in Christ, one of the things we need to realize is that when we die, we're really not dead. We haven't not died, but we're just asleep for the believer. And even the non-believers, they're just asleep. But they, everybody, every single person in this world will rise again. So for us, now we know that when we get up, whether we say it or unsaid, we face now, we have to face 
the judgment of Christ. We have to stand before him and give an account of what we do or don't do. And for those of us who are believers, it's a great thing to know that I'm not condemned, but now I have life in Christ. I've been justified. I've been declared righteous. And when I stand before Christ, all those things that I have not and did not and would not and all, that's not even a part of the factor. My main concern, his main concern is, do you know him? And Jesus tells her, oh, Martha, your brother will rise again. That's the hope I always have when I do a believer's funeral. I look at them and I say to myself, they will rise again on the good side of the equation because they are a believer. Amen? I don't know how you live this life and not have that hope. I mean, for, for to, to mourn and not understand that if you're a believer in Christ and you accept that Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, that this is not the end of the story. One of the things I, I, I usually share with families when I'm uh, officiating a, a service is I let them know. I said, you know what? Between the time you talk to me and get make funeral arrangements until the time that you actually have the service is a long time. And between the time they die, the, the initial shock is one thing. But the other shock is the actual day of the service. That's hard because now you really realize the finality. When they die, you get it. Yeah, they're dead. And you go about and a couple of days pass, and it kind of kind of maybe a little bit fades a little bit. But when that driver or that person drives you into this parking lot and you park the car and you walk in and you come through those double doors, then you see the casket sitting here, and now all of a sudden you realize the finality of actually seeing this person that you have loved maybe will be the last time you will physically see them. Now it becomes real. But for a believer, we understand that, but then we go beyond that because we say to ourselves, guess what? He's, he, my, my dad is not really dead. He's asleep. And right now, positionally, even though he has no life in this physical body, guess what? He is now in the very presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And for that reason and no other, we should rejoice. Oh, I'm so, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, that my loved one knows you. And above that, thank you that I know you. And above that, thank you that I will see my loved one again. That's why Jesus could tell her, your brother will rise again, Martha. She understood it as a fact of, of the teachings in the Old Testament. Because she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. I understand that, Lord. I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. That was a, that was a teaching that was taught in the Old Testament. I get it. I, he's going to rise again. Jesus really had to help her out and say, I know you're thinking that, but I want to take it one step further. It is such a wonderful thing that when you and I grasp the concepts of what Christ actually did for us. See, we, we could be like Martha and like, okay, yeah, I get it. He's going to get up again. It's a fact. Okay, yeah, the Bible teaches. Uh, Jesus says, no, no, no. You, you, you're missing what I'm really trying to tell you. you. You don't get it. It's not the fact that he's going to be resurrected again at the last day, but you need to know that I am. I am 
the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and I am the life. God is not a source of life. He is life. For the lights to work, you need electricity. The source. Jesus is letting us know, oh no, I'm not just the source of you having life. I am life itself. And for that, we ought to be saying, thank you, because he is life. And you know what I'm saying? He also says, I am not just life. I am the resurrection. If you're going to get up, if I'm going to get up, if Lazarus is going to get up, it's all because of the power of me. Resurrection lies within me. Only I could speak to a body that's been dead for four days and tell that corpse, rise again. Lazarus, arise. I'm the only one. Nobody else could do it. You can't do it. The disciples couldn't do it. None of the Old Testament people. Only I am. Why? Because I am life. I am life. That's why it's such a marvelous thing that he allows us as believers to have this life in us. If the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, indwells you, guess what? You now have life. And death no longer holds us as a believer. Oh, we will experience death. That is true. Unless Jesus comes again. But here's the better part of it. Death is not our end. Death is really our beginning. Because the moment we die in Christ, when we die, we automatically go to be with the presence of the Lord. And we already know that part of that promises that he's given to us is that we will have life with him forever. We will receive a brand new body, a brand new place to live in, a brand new place of dwelling. All because of one day you said, and I said, yes to Jesus. Amen. He had to tell her. I know you think you know, but I just want to make you understand, I am the resurrection and life. Then he goes on a little bit further. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That doesn't make sense. Though he die, yet shall he live. How can you die and still live? You can die and still live because you're in him. And what did he just tell us? I am life. So though you die, yet you shall have life because you have him. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, in that belief, is in his, what, who he is in the very person because he's already said, I want you to understand that I am the Son of God. All that I'm going to do with Lazarus is to show the glory of God. And that's what God wants to do to you and I. He wants to live out his life through us that we might manifest his glory to a world that needs to know the message of Christ, the message of the gospel. Amen? He wants to use you. We, we, for those of you who have been in Sunday school, we learned that this morning, that we are all ministers. You have a ministry wherever you are. Somebody says, I don't know if I'm a minister. I ain't no minister. I don't stand up and preach. I don't stand up. That's only one type of. Every single person in here that's saved has a ministry. Jesus Christ did not save you for you just to sit. Now, what's a ministry? Where you work, in your neighborhood, in your home, Wilmington College, great ministry. And she's got 
the, the advantage of her son because she's going to deal with a lot of people, families. And, and listen, you can't do her. I think about her, I pray for her all the time because that job is not an easy job. Dean of all those students with all those various ideas and ideologies and thoughts and, and ways of doing things and thinking they're doing the right thing, but they, oh, no, no, baby, you can't do that. You just, you know, well, well I'll go where I can't. Well, no, you know, you really, you know, then she get people, Mr. Singer, I don't know what to do. You know, you got to have wisdom. Whenever you're dealing with people. But guess what? Not just is her job. There's many of us who are not necessarily in a position, but many of us in our everyday life, we face people who are coming to us wanting answers to various questions. And my only answer to them is Jesus. Baby, I can't tell you why X, Y, Z happened, but I do know somebody that can help you through it. Now, let's just be honest. Some of our problems we created ourselves. And a lot of problems just happens in life. But whether we do it or it's placed upon us, the best thing to know is to know Jesus because so, he can help us through any situation. I would rather have Jesus in my life working in and through me to help me through it than not have Jesus and face, don't know which way to go. And try to find my answers in drugs and sex and alcohol and entertainment and doing this and doing whatever it is. No, the answer's not in all those other things. The answer's is in Christ. He'll help you make it through. If God was not an important part of who we are, then why is it he's always the first person, whether we know him really or not, why is he the first person many people call on? In their moment of crisis, never been in the church, never said yes to Jesus, don't know anything about the Bible, but when life meets them smack upside the head, the first thing many people will find themselves saying is, oh God, why? Why? You have nothing. To, you don't know anything. You have never even acknowledged who he is. But at this point and moment in your life, you come to realize that wherever you're at, there's a situation that is bigger and more powerful and that you or nobody else can solve. And your only resolve within you is to say, oh, God, have mercy on me. Amen. Why? Because ultimately... God lets you know, you and I are not as big and bad as we think we are. God has a way of humbling us. Some of us have been praying about situations and for people saying, Lord, I need, you need to turn their heart, blah, blah, blah. And it seemingly is not working. It's like, I've been praying all these years. I've been really fasting. I'm really, and I don't, I, here's the problem. I don't see any change. Well, the Lord God himself, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your aunt, your cousin, whatever. He knows them way better than you. Keep on praying. Because when the Lord finally says, you know, you know, there's, when I was back in the day when we were taking karate, there are pressure points in our body. But if you press a certain point, <coughs> you just go down. I mean, you just, boom. Do you not know that God knows the pressure points of each one of us? Amen? He knows that pressure point that will get you to say, Oh, Father, have mercy on me. I don't need God. Okay. We'll find out how much you will need him. Amen? 
You go home from today, have a great service, praising God, thanking the Lord. Man, we had a good service. We had a good service. We had we celebrated the Lord's Supper. I really feel great. I mean, things is going. I've got plans for this afternoon. I mean, life is good. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call and somebody that you hadn't thought about, somebody in your family, they said, by the way, I just want you to know, ABC has died. What? What do you mean? I just saw him yesterday. How can I? Bible says life is just a vapor. Tears for a little time and then woof. Go outside in a few moments, blow out your little steam, and as soon as you blow it out, it just disappears. That's what a life is. Whether you live 50, 60, or 70, 80, 90, 100 and some years, it's just a vapor compared to eternity. You and I will spend more time on the other side of the grave than we will ever spend on this side. Jesus says, wait a minute. I just want you to know something, Martha. I am the resurrection and in the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Though I die in Christ, I shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha, now you know what you just said. You hear what I'm saying. Everyone who lives, and believes in me. You got to believe in him. Shall never die. Shall never die. I take that for what it is. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, I will die physically, but on the other side of the coin is I will never die because I will live in eternity with him. That's the best news. I mean, the idea we all are, we face death. Death is our greatest enemy. How do we conquer death? You and I cannot conquer death without Jesus. You know how I know death is our greatest enemy? Because a lot of us are asking the question, I don't know when, don't know where, and I don't know how. But we all live in the fact of one day we know we may die. We don't dwell on it, but every now and then our frailty shows up and we go, oh. I turned 60 this year, and I thought to myself, self, I'm on the other side of 50. I got less time now than I did before. Life is just, I'm on this side of the equation. Let me just pray, Lord Jesus. <laughs> you find out how frail you are. I don't know, you know, 60, 70, I would hope maybe 80. I don't know how long. But if the so, so, sort of my mortality started showing up, I'm like, ooh, you know. Went over to work out, and I told Tom, I'm not trying to go over here and lift weights to become a bodybuilder. I just want to tone. He said, well, start to 20, 25 pounds. Well, you know, we ain't trying. I said, that sounds right to me. I'm not trying to impress all these young studs in the gym. You know, guys weigh 250. Guys the other night had these big... <laughs> Oh, no. No, no, no. So if they come behind me on the weight machines, 25, 30, 50, you know, that's it. Just, you know, and I had to do repetitions. Now you got to do t six, two sets of six on this and then work your way up where you can do 10 or more. And I started with six. One, two. <laughs> Show my mortality. I ain't as strong as I thought I was. I'm working on getting better. But Jesus lets us know this. What does he say? He says, listen, 
I am the resurrection. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me, he shall never die. I will live forever because I believe in him. Then he just asked Mark the question, which is what the question he asked you and I. Do you believe this? Not that you just know it as a mental ascent, but do you believe it? You got to believe it. You got to know for yourself that he's the resurrection and the life and that you shall never die. She replies and says to him, yes, Lord. I hope that's our, I hope that's our reply today. When I look at the resurrection, when I look at what Christ has done, when he when called me out of darkness and placed me into his marvelous light, saved me from my sins, I'm no longer condemned. I now have eternal life, and now my whole purpose in life is to live for him each and every day. Lord, what would you have me to do today? You know why I think sometimes we don't pray some of the prayers we should pray? It's because we don't want to do what God wants us to do. I mean, let's just be honest. We learned in our Sunday school lesson about going off, going asking the Lord to bring us opportunities to witness. We know we should witness. We know we ought to be on mission to witness. But if you pray, Lord, today, bring somebody into my life that I can share the gospel with. Part of us says, I like the idea. But the other part of us says, no, not today. Make it some other day. Because we live in the idea of sometimes fearing the unknown. Lord, I want to, but no. Just pray, and if you have the opportunity, carpe diem. Seize the moment. And I will tell you, because I know it's true, you have more opportunities than you think you do. You just got to have your eyes open. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He looked out. The fields are already white with harvest. There are more people who do not know than those who do know. Amen? And he wants us to share that. He just asked her a simple question. Do you believe? And she just said, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one. Not only that you are the Christ, you're the Son of God. I believe that you are the Son of God who is coming into the world. I believe you're here in the world right now because of what the Word of God has already said. Christ means Messiah. Christ means the Anointed One. You are the one that God sent to do this. And you and I need to know that even today in our own life, that Jesus is the one that is now in our life that will allow us to do this. To do what, Pastor? To live out a life holy before him. Of our own, we have no power. But in Christ, we have all the power we need. Somebody says, Pastor, define holiness. Holiness is living a life, a right life before God. He says, and he wouldn't tell us this, be you and I holy as what? He is holy. There's no way, Pastor, I could ever be holy. He knows that. But he still expects us to strive to be holy. Keep on going. Don't stop. Say, well, I still got this problem. I still do this. That's fine. But if you know you do X, Y, Z, now you got to work on not doing X, Y, Z. You got to say, Lord, take that, take that, take that tongue of mine and, and change it. Not just talk. But just, Lord, you know, you know, sometimes 
you know, it's just in me sometimes. I just, I just say some things. I shouldn't say it, but like my dad says, pray go, it's in there. If it's in there, it, sometimes it just comes out. Somebody does something or says something or whatever, and I just find myself, Lord, I know it's not pleasing, but just work with me. Let, let me. let me go back to your word. Let me memorize your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And guess what? If you really mean it, he'll give you the strength and all of a sudden some of this stuff doesn't come out. I ain't never going to say it will never come out ever again, but it won't be as prevalent as it was. And it may never come out. And the only way you do that is because you give it to him. Well, Lord, you know I got a wandering eye. Help my eyesight, Lord. And since I'm married, my eyes only ought to be on one. Not that if you see other flowers in the garden, you don't admire them. But there's only one main flower. Amen. Whatever it is, give it to the Lord. Give it. To, he said this all, give it to me and I'll bear it. All you got to simply do is just give it to him. And I like what Martha, she recognized that, yes, I believe, I understand it. And Jesus, that you are the son of God and you're coming back. He's coming back. Who's he coming back? He's coming back for a people without spot or wrinkle. Not in our own sight, but in his. He's coming back for the church. That's what he died for. This is the fifth statement that Jesus makes when he says, I am. He says, I, he first said, I am the bread of life. Then he said, I am the light of the world. Then he says, I am the door. You want to get in, you got to come through him. Then he also said, and just so you know, I am the good shepherd. And then he says, here, I am the resurrection and the life. They don't want to tell, you, to tell us, not only that, he said, I am the truth and the life. And then the last one he says is, I am the vine. Amen? I am, I am, I am, I am. And here he tells us, talk about resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? The good news is that if you know him today, oh, my goodness. Praise God from whom all, because you have life. I don't care how bad it is, you've got it. Lift up your bow down here, look unto the hills from coming here, and realize, Lord, you've given me life. And not just life, but life more abundant. Say, Pastor, you just don't know. I don't need to know because he knows. And he is able to override all the stuff in our life so that we can walk in this world with confidence and with hope and the assurance that we need. Amen. I should be living life so defeated that we don't feel the joy of the Lord. Circumstances happen, things happen. I was excited today. I got up, I said, I just can't wait. And I got up and I said, I can't wait to put my offering in. I was excited. And somewhere along life's journey, I have set my checkbook somewhere. I remember distinctly putting it in my pocket. And I got up 
to get ready to write my check, and I went, what? So what did I do? I'm checking my, I went out and checked my coat pockets, my long dress coat. Uh, I went to my office and pulled open drawers. Like, did I, somewhere, I, I, I could have, maybe I didn't put it in my pocket. I don't know. But somewhere I have said it somewhere, and I can't find it. Now I'm depressed. I was wanting to give. I can still give, but I need to find my checkbook. Because I ain't got much money. I'll be disappointed when I get to it. That's what I always tell people. They're not going to hack my account. If they do, they're going to oh, no, this man needs more. No. We're not going to take from him what he don't have. He wants us to have life. So even though I'm, I'm concerned, I'm not overly concerned to the point that I can't rejoice in the Lord. Because I'm going to try. It's got to be here somewhere at home. I don't know. So I'm going to go home and look. But I was, what I'm trying to say is our circumstances should not dictate. I can walk around, oh, my God. But you know what? Okay, Lord. I'm going to find it. Yeah. It's all good. I'll just tell Jenny and David, just make sure you say this amount, put this amount in, because I will get my check to you today. Amen? We should be, of all people, the most excited. We ought to enjoy life, because he is life. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to negate hard times. I'm not trying to say we want our false faces on, but we ought to be happy, because the Lord has given us his strength. You know? Because he's good. He's brought you a, a mighty long way. I mean, I was talking about, I was thinking of Brother Ben and, and Sister Mariana when they called last week and said their heat was out. And they said, oh, no, it was just a little switch thing to do. Well, that's a good blessing because it could have been the whole thing. Just a little switch. I know what that's like because we had a guy come in. He said, well, your blower, blah, 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 it's not working. And then he told us, oh, you need a new furnace. My head dropped. Just a penny. He was in there too. Cold, <laughs> sniffing, not feeling well. Look at her. She's here today. Amen. See, here's my, here's my problem I have. There's things that you just do because you just do it. You can sit home and sniff a little bit, or you can come to church and sniff a little bit. As long as you don't have a fever, it's all good. Amen. Both of us opt out to sit at home and sniff. I don't feel well. Like I told, tell my kids about work, Sister Sigurd, you're going to be sick if you stay home. You're going to be sick if you get p- go to work. Might as well go to work and get paid. And be sick and get a little cat, a little something for it. Amen. If you're sitting home, you ain't getting nothing. When you come to church sometimes, you don't think you're going to get a blessing. But praise be to God, once you get here, just be around other people and other brothers and sisters in Christ and enjoy the fellowship. You, learn, you walk out going, you know what? I feel better now. But if you buy into what you could have done, you're going to stay at home. You want to drink a little coffee or beer or whatever. And then there you go. People drink a lot of stuff. A little toddy for the body. I don't know. I mean, I'm not just, you know, whatever it is. And you still wouldn't be excited. But now that you're here, hey, God is so good. And you leave out with the knowledge and knowing, do you know what Jesus says? He's life. I've got life in me. And I don't want to be able to walk out of here with the confidence of what he's already said. Oh, I got problems. But guess what? Jesus says he is life. And if something were to happen to me today, the next 
two seconds and I die, I already know that I have the resurrection of Christ already in me. And don't mourn too long because I will rise again. Now, thanks be to God. I can hold my head up. See, that's where you take the truth and you apply it and you go out in the power of the Lord. So that no matter what comes this week, you've already got the strength to make it. Because I don't know about you, I need his strength every day. Father, thank you for your word.